So is the Canaanite conquest something that's always bothered you when you read the Bible? Today on Life Talks, we're going to be dealing with that question that so many Christians and non-Christians alike really struggle with. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm here with two guests today on Life Talks, Andy Barker and Craig Barrett, two of our elders here at Life Fellowship Church. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, Ben. Thank yeah, you. Doing well. Thanks. Yeah, this is, uh, I, Craig, this is your maiden voyage on uh, Life Talks. How's it feel? Uh, it feels great. I, I can't think of an easier topic to discuss <laughs> on your first podcast episode Very than true. what we're going to talk about today. Now, the reason why Andy and Craig are with me and not Dan is because you, the three of us, we have our own little Bible nerd group that we call Nerds of the Round Table, right? And so we get together um, every so often. We were getting together about twice a month, right? And, right. Mm-hmm. and we talk about... Bible nerd stuff. Ben, I think it's important to point out that you have a small round table in your office. <laughs> so that's nerds of the round table with a K-N-E-R-D. K N E R. That's that's yes, right. Yes, exactly. Nerds right. of the round yes, table. Right. Nerds of the round table. Um and we we talk about um all kinds of things. What are the things that we've we've discussed on on Thursday mornings at six thirty? Can you guys, I mean, we talked about the egalitarian complementarian issues. Talked about that at length, yeah. Um we've we've talked I'll tell you the one thing is I was really excited because in the Daniel series, we were getting to some really heavy things, and oh, yeah. you guys stopped meeting with me. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly had it all figured out. <laughs> oh, no! I was like, all of a sudden, our schedules didn't work, and 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 all of a sudden, well, maybe that was the one time that you introduced heresy into our, our conversation, and then we stopped meeting for a while. Was that it? Yeah, so so we view <laughs> Nerds at the Roundtable as an opportunity to bring your heresy to light. Put it on the table in full exposure uh, to others for uh, perspective. Yeah. And so so tell me, I know we did this because you, we're all kind of Bible nerds. Why do you guys love to study the the deeper, not mainstream kind of things of the Bible? What What is it about the Bible that you love to nerd out about? Well, I would say that, you know, for a long time, I grew up in the church, I grew up around around the Word, and f- for most of my life, it was about learning more information and knowing a lot. Yeah. And uh, as I've gotten older, and I'm a little older, maybe a little wiser, I've realized that, hey, I think the Bible actually has a lot more questions sometimes than answers. Hmm. And what I've, what I've recognized is the fact that the more time I engage with the Word, 2 Corinthians 3.18 hmm. is true. And I'm learning more about him, mm-hmm. and it's less about facts. Mm. I'm learning how who God is and how he works. That's great. What about you, Andy? Yes, I, I think I just might have a natural bent towards just wanting to soak up information, and I think that's been you know in in my in in my immature um, days and, and moments that has been all it was was just an interest in knowing the Bible well. Um, but one of the things that I've really appreciated about when when we came together as a group, we said, let's talk about the things that we think about but have no one to talk to yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, let's yeah. just be able to have a conversation and share and, and sharpen yeah. each other with it. Ben, one of the things that you said was, but let's just make sure that it's not just heady. Yeah. Let's make sure that that we get to the point where we say, why does this matter yeah. for the people of God, for 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 us and for others mm. to have an understanding of this? And and that's that's kind of what has happened with me as well. Mm. I love to learn about the Bible, but through learning about the Bible, I have um, gotten a deeper foundation mm. of the truth of the Bible, yeah. so that I am confident 
in the goodness of God and yeah. the grace of God and the love of God because I have seen it yes. through deep study in, in in his word. Yes. And so I, I want to know that. I want that for my own faith and I want that so that I can pass it on to others when the hard questions come. A hundred percent. I think one of the things I appreciate about our group is that um, you're always learning and growing as a, as a follower of Jesus. Like you never get to the point where the Bible are like, I got it all figured out and I don't need it. You know, there's <laughs> always something yeah. that you're like, Hey, I need to I need to learn more about this, or even things that you might felt you might have felt really confident in. Maybe there's some other things that you're like, okay, now I'm having questions about this area. And again, it's not questioning the reality of the Bible, but even no matter what your question is, I think one of the beautiful things about our group is that you can we can bring these whether it's deep or whether it's philosophical, but we can bring our questions and talk about them. And to me, I think everyone needs that kind of space. And I appreciate you guys. You guys have sharpened me. And you never arrive. You never arrive at saying, I know it all. And I think that's important that all of us, when you think about the word of God, that we are always learning and growing. So um, so j- just, to, just to, j- to answer your question, some of the things that we have talked about are like the role of women in the church. We've talked about um, the reality of hell and how to think yes. well about that. Yeah. And we've talked about the um, the troubling passage of the sons of God in Genesis 6, which I think yeah. we'll also be able to touch on as yeah, part we're of this be ta- conversation. Yeah, touching on that, definitely. Um, so, and, and maybe it was interesting because if we were having this conversation, and and the reason why we're having this episode with you guys in here is um, there, were a bit, there have been a number of times where we've had conversations on Thursday mornings, and I'm like, man, I just wish this was being recorded right now because I felt like, these were they're really beneficial to me. I think they've been beneficial to all of us. And sometimes I just wish that we could invite the church to, not that there's anything special about us, but that when you're talking about this, just like Dan and I do on a regular basis, these conversations are helpful. And so we're going to be having a conversation about something that I think is one of the most important um, issues that Christians are dealing with today. And that is, you know, how to understand the parts of the Bible that maybe we don't really like to look at, or maybe it's hard for us to understand, um, this issue of the Canaanite conquest, um, which is which is predicted in, in both Numbers and Deuteronomy and lived out in the book of Joshua, is is really important, and, and it's important for a number of reasons. Number one, I think that for most Christians, when they read this stuff, and okay, God commanding the his, his people to kill uh, men, women, and children— that there's something about that they're like, oh man, I I don't know how to I don't know how to understand that I don't know how to explain it, um, and so there's there's almost like a timidity that we have, most Christians have like, okay, I know it's there, but I don't really want to think about it, or or I think the other reason why it's important to discuss is that we have this this you know this atheist movement agnostic movement when they see stories like this and they just pick it up as a tool to hammer Christians saying you worship a god that that not even I would do and so i think a lot of christians don't have an answer for these things and for me my heart is that that every person listening to this whether you go to life fellowship or not that you are you understand that God, what he did and what, why he commanded that is not a violation of his character. Yeah. And I think it's really important that you don't have to shy away from, you don't have to hide these passages of the Bible that feel like, I don't know how to explain. That's why we're having this conversation. Right. It's not easy, but that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what if this is actually an act of compassion? 
and mercy and expression. Craig's teasing. Craig's teasing what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So I think I think um, you know this is. I'm actually announced. We have. I haven't preached my Deuteronomy seven sermon yet. But the re- I'm going to announce on Deuteronomy seven sermon. Hey, listen to a couple podcasts that we're recording on this because I just couldn't get into the depths right. of the reasons for and the defense of the the Canaanite conquest in a sermon um, that I wanted to. So, um, I'd love to hear what Andy or Craig, one of you, summarize where where are we at right now in the narrative. Andy, you want to do it of of where we are in in the the story of the Israelites coming out of of Egypt and Deuteronomy 7 where he says kill them all. <laughs> yeah, how do we maybe, build maybe up not to kill them all point? but but he's like hey you got to you you've got to kill these people. Yeah, so I mean it goes all the way back to to Genesis and Abraham it goes back further than that but we can begin there where God makes this promise to Abraham that he will give a land to Abraham and his people that they would be a blessing mm-hmm. to all nations. Mm-hmm. Um they go down into Israel and, and I mean, into Egypt where they are slaves for 400 years. And in the story of Exodus, with a mighty hand, God rescues his people out of Egypt, not just to free them from slavery, but to bring them into the land that mm. he had promised mm-hmm. to Abraham. Yeah. And when they are, are on the verge of going into that land, there are people already there. Yeah. And so we encountered it in numbers when, when the spies saw the people, they were afraid and they, they did not go in. Mm. Um, and, and they stayed in the wilderness for 40 years as a punishment for their fear of these people instead of trusting God That's who right. would deliver on his promise. That's right. And now here we are in the book of Deuteronomy. Those 40 years have passed. And Moses is giving that final sermon to prepare his people to go into the land in fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. And... Um, the passage in, in Deuteronomy 7 is dealing with what they will encounter when they go there. It's not an empty land. Mm. It's a land that is occupied. Yeah. And what he has to say about it in Deuteronomy 7 is one of those troubling passages mm. um, wh- where you know Christians struggle. Mm. So I think it's important to understand that there are a lot of different interpretations of this, right? Like there's when, when Christians read this, because... Christians and non-Christians, like when they read this, there's always kind of a, um, I've got to defend God. Right. Right? You don't have to apologize we, for that. Why do you, why, Craig, I'm, I'm interested, why do you think that we have this tendency to to want to um, change what the Bible says so that we can kind of like make God more manageable? Why, why do you think? Why do you think we do that? Yeah, I think part of it, Ben, is that oftentimes we're reading the Bible and we're bringing it to us. Yeah. Yeah. We're reading the stories. We're reading the narrative and saying, hey, hmm, that's not what I would do. Hmm. hmm. That's not how, that's not what, what I think is, is acceptable here in the, in the 21st century. And so I think the challenge and the opportunity is to understand the cultural moment. Yeah. Understand what the people are yeah. doing, what the people are facing. I have an audacious idea. Why don't we read the Bible? the way that the original audience yes. or listeners of yes. the Bible would have understood it. That's right. If we start there, we actually prevent ourselves from inserting mm. all these presuppositions of what mm. I think, what I feel, what I think is acceptable. Yeah. And let's actually read the Bible, engage with the text as it was written for the original yeah. audience. What you just explained is what most uh, biblical scholars call the difference between exegesis and eisegesis, right? Exegesis is we pull the meaning out from the text. 
what would what did it mean to the original authors? What was the historical grammatical um, in in the moment it was written? I think the other thing that the eisegesis is when we read our meaning into the text. We bring our own culture and we put our own cultural values or our own. Um, and, and when I say culture, I mean I mean white. 21st century, Western, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we bring in our own perspective and we filter out what God has written through our own lens. And therefore we become the judges of whether God is good or right or and, not. And so Ben, think think about the question that, that we're beginning to talk about, which is, you know, why would God command that all these people in Canaan be destroyed? Mm-hmm. Now, I would argue that that question is a symptom of the eisegesis. Hmm. That question is me reading into, like, why would God do that? And and I would tell you that uh, personally that that's the wrong framing of the right, question. Right. And perhaps a better framing of the question is, who is God? Hmm. What is God doing? Hmm. And why is God doing it? Yeah. Okay. So so let's let's get it right on the table. So um, I want to read the passage from Deuteronomy yeah. seven so that we know exactly what yeah. we're talking yeah. about. And I just want to frame it up. I said that God's promise to Abraham was that he the, that through Abraham, um, all nations will be blessed. Yeah. So with that context, how do we understand this? This is Deuteronomy seven, mm-hmm. um, and this is. Um, Deuteronomy 7, I'll, ju- I'll just read verse 2. It says, When the Lord your God, Moses speaking to the Israelites, gives the people that are living in Canaan, when he gives them over to you, you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. Mm. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy mm. to them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not the only passage. That's just one yeah, that we're encountering, yeah, you know, yeah. through through this series that's yeah. wrapping up on Sunday. Yeah. But that's what we're talking about. How does that fit in with through you all nations will be blessed? Yeah, and and not just that. You have the other ver I mean, there's so many other passages that people what Jesus says love your enemies. Right. Right? There's so we feel like show no mercy. Show no mercy. The reality that God is saying to show no mercy when we feel like well other times he says this. And so we have to, um, when these kinds of things happen, we have to, we have these interpret, interpretive challenges. And I think if we bring the wrong framework and the wrong perspective to this, to these passages and don't, and don't interpret them in the right way, then I think we can come to some bad conclusions. I When, when we were doing some prep, I, I came up with five different options of how you look at the Canaanite conquest based on where what your perspective is. And the first one is, it never happened. Okay, so so some people are just like, you know, I, I people who who doubt the Bible look at the, these these writings and say, well, there's no proof and there's no evidence of of it. Yeah. Even even if we know that there is, I mean, I don't. We're not going to go into an archaeological, you know, defense of the Canaanite conquest. But but there's people that say, I don't think this stuff ever really happened. Right. So so this is just a fairy tale of, of just nationalism that was written later on to get people jazzed up about this is why you, you should own the land. Um, the, the second option, which is people espoused by, you know, the Richard Dawkins, uh, God is not great, uh, Christopher Hitchens, those kinds of people, that God is evil. The fact that God did this um, sh- shows that the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible is not a good God. 
He's actually a, a, re- a really mean God, a God who's a genocidal maniac. And so that's how they take this, their own perspective, because they come with a framework of, I don't like the God of the Bible. And here's a proof that when he says to do this, I would never do this. And so therefore God saying he's doing this is a bad. Okay? The uh, God is not good argument. God is not good. Um, number two, God is learning. Okay, this is one of my favorite favorite ones. Mm. Um, there's a there's a theological perspective called open theism, and it was really popular about 15 years ago. Um, a lot of books were, were written on it. A lot of theologians adopted an open theist position. But this is the idea that God God is God, but He's not as big and as strong and as as maybe as as uh, as you know pronounced in His abilities as we want to to understand Him. That God in the Old Testament was learning how to lead the nations. And so basically when after the Canaanite conquest, the reason why we never see God do this again is because, you know, he kind of learned his lesson. Like this was a little harsh. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I don't, I don't know if that's, we're not going there. Yeah. Right. I'm going to struggle with that one. (laughs) And so, um, God's learning number, number four, um, it didn't, God didn't really kill all these people. That's the fourth Viewpoint. People, when it says devote to destruction, the word harem, that this is the idea of dedication. It didn't mean to actually kill them. It meant to dedicate them to the Lord. And so, therefore, even though we believe that God or that the Israelites did kill people, they basically killed warriors. It was basically a military battle. It wasn't killing the innocent people that had nothing to do with this. And so they, they, they probably, they read into their own interpretation of things to, so that they can justify in their own minds that God would never have commanded something like this, okay? And then the last option, which I believe is the right option, is that God is just and good, and that the acts of what he describes in, in Deuteronomy 7.1, what you read, Andy, it's just and good. And I think we have to ask that question, okay, why do we know it's just and good? Okay, so 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 in order to to frame that conversation, I think we have to, you know, Craig, I'm interested from you because you've done some study on the words here. What does that word harem when it says devote to destruction? What does it really mean? Yeah, so it's a great question, Ben. So one of the interesting things is that what Andy read in Deuteronomy seven is clearly not the only time that God and through Moses. Uh, that they told the Israelites that they were going to go into uh, the land. Yeah. And so there are a number of verbs that are that are being used in the Hebrew language. And and the word harem carries this idea of not only devoted to destruction, which is how it's translated in many of our Bibles, but there's this a devotion to something. Hmm. Either a devotion to Yahweh, yeah, or a devotion to something else. Hmm. A devotion to perhaps another god. And so so when you talk about the idea of of harem, what you're talking about is that you are going to destroy something that is accursed and devoted to another god, mm. something that is opposed to mm. Yahweh. Yeah. I think it's really important. I mean, there's a lot of words for kill or destroy. That's a very unique word that's, that's not a typical word of, I want you to go kill them. There is a spiritual component component yes idea of like devotion to something your heart is bent towards something or given over to something again to your point a number of words for 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 kill um throughout the bible a number of hebrew words this one is specifically chosen the author knew what he was doing god 
Yeah. Moses knew what he was doing. Yeah, this is, there's a spiritual component to this that's bigger than just, hey, kill these people. Yeah, and I think there's another key idea here. There are other verbs that are being used across Scripture in Deuteronomy and Joshua to talk about taking the land. So Harim is only one of them. Right. 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 And again, carrying this idea of, of total destruction of something devoted to something other than God, Yeah, our Yahweh. The other verbs are more about, hey— can we drive out? Yeah. Can yeah. we expel? Can we can we can we take the people out of the land? Yeah. You know, and so there's a know. driving there's there's not God wasn't like kill everyone. It was right. kill certain people. I think it's really important to understand that right. perspective. Yeah. So so l- l- let me let me interject here a particular text yeah. that I think makes it has made it very like this is like the decisive text for me because the the different viewpoints that you shared, Ben, about how we could approach this. Some of them we would just reject as like liberal yeah, scholarship. Yeah. But there are, if you look, there are books, there are articles by respected mm-hmm. authors and theologians that we would by and large agree with their theology that mm-hmm. will argue that this is either um, Israel going up against military outposts or this is hyperbolic language. Yeah, it's exaggeration language. Where it, it's yeah. just saying, it's a, it's a heightened way to just say, like, we totally won. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 they'll, they'll minimize it to that. I've encountered that. Yeah. And it, there's an appeal to that. I, to, to be honest, the initial reaction is, I hope it's that. Yeah. Because that's a lot more palatable. Yeah. But I want to read for you um, a, a little bit from, from Deuteronomy 20. This is verses 10 through 15. I'll just take out some of it, so I'm not reading the whole thing. But but it, it makes the point that you were just saying, Craig, that this isn't the only approach to entering the land. It says, when you draw near to a city to fight against it, offer terms of peace to it. And it says, you shall put all males to the sword, but the women and the little ones, the livestock and everything else in the city, all its spoil, you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Mm. Um, it says, thus you shall do to all the cities that are very far from you, mm. which are not cities of the nations here, but in the cities of the, the, the people that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, you shall save alive nothing that breathes, yeah. but you shall devote them to complete destruction. So that in one concise spot shows that there are two different react, yeah. two different approaches to different people based yes. on where they are. And that devote to destruction language, if it doesn't mean what it says, then the difference in how they approach them there is meaningless. Yeah. So it's got to be yeah. something about a different approach. And, and that leads us to ask the question, why? Why is there a difference? Why, why does God say you've got to do this here and not there? And I think in our next episode, we're going to be able to explain the, 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 the we're going to answer this question. Why is God good and just to do this? Because we've got to look at this in the the narrative framework. Like we're not just, this is just an episode in a larger story. And we're going to revisit this and really answer that question. Why can we look at this and say, no, I believe God was just and good to do something like this. So, so, um, man, this time has already flown by. Thank you so much for just beginning this conversation. If you've ever wondered about this, ever had questions about this, I hope this is beginning to help you not shy away from the more difficult parts of the Bible, but to know that there are always answers um, that point us to a God who's good, a God who's just, a God who loves you, and a God who's always interested in drawing you close to him. This has been a, a beginning conversation. We'll hope that you'll join us next time, and we'll talk to you next time on Life Talks. 
You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.